So, hello and um, welcome to the People in Flow podcast. Uh, I'm joined this week by Richard Summerfield, somebody I've known for uh, about 15 years now. Uh, and we have a shared desire for a positively engaged workplace, led well uh, and managed in a coordinated and collaborative way. Uh, where people can contribute their best and, and see and feel that they belong. Uh, Richard wrote his book, Loving Leadership, uh, to really go beyond other leadership books and provide simple actions that leaders can take to make that happen. And, and within that, um, that whole sense of everybody being uh, getting a sense of belonging, there is true inclusivity, something we'll, we'll look at with Richard in a moment. So, Richard, perhaps you could just um, tell us a little bit about your background before we get going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not, nice to speak to you, Neville. Um, my, my background is uh, over 20 years now in, uh, in HR roles and uh, worked in a number of, number of sectors, mainly banking, but also insurance, private banking, technology, uh, legal firms, uh, so 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 quite a broad broad range of, uh, of of industries. But I soon found my my passion twenty years ago when I first started in Barclays, working within their HR graduate program. So I, I have spent the uh, I've spent my career dotting around from both generalist and specialist HR roles, uh, and joined um, sort of boardroom type of roles about ten years ago. So I've I've been sitting on on both sides of the board, actually, both as a chief HR officer and also as non-exec directors for businesses over the last 10 years. And, um, and really, you know, throughout my whole career, the bit that has, has, has piqued my interest the most is seeing how to get the best out of people, but also seeing how you can get that wrong. So, uh, so when, we, when we unpack, uh, we get into flow and we get into some of the concepts within my book, uh, the, the key piece is is around um, trying to point out some 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 areas of, of techniques that uh, leaders could do to unlock the performance and the potential of their staff in a way that they probably haven't been able to do before. There's no rocket science in there, but actually some of the simplest things to do are the hardest to actually execute. So uh, so that's what I'm, I, I believe we're going to get into in this uh, in this conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely, Richard. And, and what I like about it in, in terms of the, your um, categorizing it into sort of uh, eight simple techniques, um, once mastered, those techniques are turned into strengths. Um, they, yeah. they, help, they help leaders to grow as themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so let's, I, I think the easiest way is to go through it in, in the way that you've written it, because right up there, right up in front is, is, is the two words, give trust. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you mean by give trust. Okay, well, um, it, if we break it down, it, it's, it's uh, from a human relationship point of view, the strength of, of the relationship that anybody has person to person is enormously different if you feel that you trust each other and that might sound quite simple um, and actually it's something that people are pretty good at doing outside the workplace so a typical human uh, tends to find the people that they trust uh, within their friends within their circles of, 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 of who they um, deal with outside of work 
but within work, it is, um, it is an area that uh, some leaders are nervous over and some leaders sort of lack the skills. Now, the reason that it's called Give Trust is based on a really clear principle that you have to give trust to get trust. So if you want that extra mile from somebody, if you want that individual to really feel connected and to believe that, that you care about them, then you can't just expect them to blindly follow you. Uh, and, and, and what I've learned over the years and practiced and seen in action is that the leader more often than not needs to make the first move in that. And that can be uh, sharing something about themselves or about the, the situation or the problems and, and, and issues at work that help the people that work with them or for them get a much clearer picture of what's going on. Now, um, in, in many cases, that involves the leaders uh, sort of sharing, sharing personal information or sharing information with, with people that is um, corporately sensitive. But what you find is that the individual feels trusted and has a lot more respect and will guard that trust. And I would say in my 20 plus years, I have never had that trust betrayed to an extent that it's limited my own career. So I've, I've, I've been trusted by other leaders and have given back heaps more than I would have done. And equally, I have shared more about myself and about the circumstances and the hidden wiring in organisations with people that are working for me and with me. Um, and, and it has not uh, backfired yet. So therefore, all I can do is point to the fact that as a tool, don't be guarded. Um, don't worry about uh, demarking personal life from work life. Let a bit of yourself in, um, share information, uh, and it will be okay. You don't need to worry. Yeah. No, that's, that's super, Richard. And, and you know, it's, um, it's an interesting thing because you were talking there about um, corporate life, and, and we've seen in the last, uh, oh, in the last 12 months, we've worked with various organizations uh, and, and increasingly a number of um, sort of small and medium-sized businesses uh, very often where the leader um, has a great stake in the business and, and, and therefore has greater risk yeah. uh, and, and we've seen examples where you know there is very little of giving trust to people and we've seen examples where there's been a great deal of giving trust to people yeah um, I think it, it, what we're finding now in this uh, period of uncertainty and, and crisis is that the latter, the company where, or the organizations we've worked with, where even where there is high risk involved, where they have given trust and they have trusted other people to provide the skills that they've brought to that business yeah. and the knowledge and the decision making. Um, they are in a stronger position. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is difficult. You know, I've had a couple of people uh, just only last week. We had somebody who, who was effectively saying about the people, well, they'll kind of just need to do as they're told right now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. missing the point that, that they had the answers already. Yeah. Um, and we worked with, uh, had a discussion with another uh, leader who, who effectively was having um, Zoom 
team meetings where the entire organization was contributing to the solving of issues that they had right now. Yeah. And he was saying that they were getting so much energy from that. Yes. Energy you can't replace in the physical workplace, but still energy all the same, where there was a, uh, a joint commitment to solving and to, and to creating opportunities right yeah. now. Yeah. Which, which I think um, sort of backs up what you say. And there are a number of people who will doubt it, but the, the examples are there for all to see. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Absolutely agree. Fantastic. And it kind of links where you give trust to other people to, to where you've now talked about, and, and right now particularly, confidence is there for all to see. Uh, and, and, and um, you know, where people give trust, they're getting it repaid, whatever the size of company, whatever the situation. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely agree, and I would um, I would encourage all leaders to do that. Yeah, fantastic, and and it leads neatly into your second sort of uh, technique uh, and strength, which is to care for others, particularly relevant right now. Yeah, yeah, that, very much so. I mean, the 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 caring element is at the core of the whole book, and it's probably the one that might make some leaders feel the most uncomfortable. The, the sort of business case for this is that I, I would argue that genuinely caring for people is one of the most commercial leadership behaviours you can have because when people feel cared for, you get um, an entirely different relationship and contribution. And if I sort of unpack what I mean by, by caring for others, I think the, the, the sort of the first element of that is around pretty much treating your workers and co-workers like a family like an extended family. Now, that is quite a big statement uh, because clearly they're not your family. But if you, if, you, if you just imagine what it is like to, um, to treat people like family, what does that mean? It means that you, you care about their well-being. It means that you care about how they're feeling. It means that you look after them. It means that you give them opportunities to thrive. Um, and, 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 you know, all of these sorts of things that you would apply within your own household and your own group of friends, I'm suggesting that applying that to work could be really powerful. And when I talk about worrying about their well-being, that's all dimensions of, of the individual. So that is around their physical well-being, their emotional well-being, their financial well-being. There are so many, you know, there are so many elements to that. But if as an individual you feel that your boss or your manager genuinely cares about you as a as a person and values you as a person to the extent that you are aware of um, whether they're having a good day whether they're having a bad day whether they are enjoying the work that they're doing whether they're interested in doing different things um, can be uh, can entirely change the dynamic now the the there's there's a couple of reasons why um some leaders may struggle with that. One is that, that they may not naturally, they, 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 by fact, they might find that in an uncomfortable type of relationship. Yeah. They may really prefer to, um, to not go there because to some extent, it may also need the leader to start giving a bit of information about themselves as well. And they may not want that relationship. Um, so that's one of, the, uh, one of the issues. The other issue as to why leaders um, don't do it is because it's, hard to maintain because if you are authentically caring about uh, an individual you don't just ask them and show them that you're interested one day 
and yeah. then not get in touch with them for the next two weeks, right? Can you imagine like not talking to your daughter for two weeks? You know, you, you would always be checking in. Yeah. So there is an a, an a, and if we live in this world now with um, so much pressure on a leader and a line manager's shoulders to create enough time in your, in your, uh, in your cadence, in your daily, weekly cadence to keep up that level of care to keep up that level of interest in the people that work for you, especially if you've got, you know, not three or four people, if you've got 30 or 40 people that maybe, you know, work very closely with you. Or more. Requires yeah. an enormous amount of, of emotional investment and time. And that's why as a leader, you could go, do you know what? It's just easier not to go there. And it's easier to just keep this on a transactional level um, and just try and try and get through the day. Yeah. So, so I, I would, um, it's one of the hardest but most powerful things that I think a leader can do. I think you're absolutely right. It's at the core of everything. Um, and, and it's not the, uh, the you, know, you can spot the leader who, who has read the book or gets come back from a course who suddenly is yeah. interested for an afternoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. feels very uncomfortable in asking. Yeah. I mean, you can yeah. see, so there needs to be a naturalness about it, uh, yeah. which, which, you know, what one can learn. Um, there is a balance, though. You know, Stan Slap, over, just over 20 years ago, um, pointed out that you spend just over half of your living time traveling to being at, traveling back from, or thinking about work than anything yep. else. Yeah. And half of anything else is sleeping. Yeah. So welcome to your personal life. Welcome to yep. everybody's lives. Let's make yep. things, Let's make it so that we care. And, and that care helped there be that sense of belonging, which eventually moves into a, a commitment uh, to the organisation beyond the team, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, is, uh, which is what you're really looking for as a, as a leader. Uh, yes. In our inflow leadership um, programme, we, we talk about consistency, clarity and care. Uh, yeah. And that care you've nicely summed up there, but you also touched on the need for that to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, and I think the whole of um, the whole of the UK is looking for clarity right now. They are. They are. They are indeed. <laughs> but yeah. it's absolutely there. And 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 as such, you know, and some of the positives that have come out of now uh, is we are seeing leaders, you know, being vulnerable and and. and there being a respect for that. Uh, and that's your kind of your next strength, really, your next uh, technique. Talk to me just briefly a little bit about being vulnerable. Yes. I mean, I, I, think, I think the vulnerability is, has been particularly accentuated in these, in these unprecedented times. Yeah. The vulnerability, I want to sort of get it, it's not around weakness. So there's a... There is um, a bit of an allergic reaction to the word vulnerability in terms of from a le in, in certain leadership um, uh, theories around. Well, if you're if you're showing too much vulnerability, would people think you are weak? Would people start worrying about whether you can lead the charge? You know, or whether you know. So um, uh, when I talk about vulnerability, it is it's very much around um, showing a, a, an honest and human side and being prepared to say. I mean, fundamentally, being able to admit when you're wrong yeah. so if you have done something and it's a mistake then have the uh have the strength to say i was wrong on that one i'm sorry about that and and just it, it, it may sound really simple but so many uh leaders uh find other ways of not saying that 
or trying to explain it with data as to why. But actually, if you've made a mistake, just say, I made a mistake. Uh, another big area of vulnerability, which uh, a lot of leaders suffer from, is how to say, I don't know. So if you think about um, if you think about many uh, sort of leadership interactions, it's you don't often hear leaders say, I don't know. Um, you, you they may answer some questions really robustly and other questions they might sort of waffle or throw in some data and, and, and it may or may not be validated. Um, but there is a fear um, amongst a number of leaders for saying I don't know which in many cases is rooted in um, childhoods that, that, and, and, and the schooling that, that, that probably they went through where that wasn't an acceptable answer. You know, you, I don't know isn't a good answer as, a, um, as you're going through. Uh, I think it's very different in education now. I think education is changing incredibly. But um, certainly if you are of certain generations, that was never an acceptable answer. And it's hard to rewire and believe that by saying I don't know, that people would still have respect for you, but actually they do. And then the last element of, of, of being vulnerable, if I sort of unpack that word, um, is around not taking yourself too seriously to the extent that you could take some risks on being quite self-deprecating at times about yourself because it's quite disarming um, because what you don't realise necessarily as a leader is the power of what you say and your actions. Um, and one of the most powerful ways of helping people to feel that they are on an even playing field with you, they can trust you, and they, they you know, actually you're very similar to them, is to sort of make, um, sort of make jokes about yourself or about your weaknesses or, you know, to sort of, I don't know, let's say you miss details or let's say you forget to turn up for appointments or let's say you're late for, just be honest with it. And just, because um, what it invites people to do is actually think, oh, the, this leader's not indestructible. They're not perfect. Um, and actually it is okay to have a few um, uh, vulnerabilities and weaknesses and, 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 not, and not feel that you have to present yourself as this sort of perfect yeah. person. And, 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 and it links very closely with, with one of your other uh, techniques, which is around being sociable, right? the ability to yeah. have some fun and, 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 and uh, you know, not dodging the non-work stuff. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think having, um, having fun is, is something that has, in many cases, been lost in organisations. Um, and actually... Crikey, to your point, Neville, that we spend over half our time in, um, in work. If we can't find a way of having fun, then that's a bit of a grind. Now, the ability to have fun in work lies with the leadership of an organization creating a culture that gives people permission to have fun. Yeah. And it is really as simple as that. So if you've got a super serious CEO and executive board that don't turn up at any of the sort of wider corporate events, don't put any colour or interest in their emails and communications. Um, it's going to set the tempo. Individuals in the business are going to go, well, do you know what? If I want to have fun, if I want to have a bit of a laugh, I can't do that in work. I need to sort of segregate that and do that outside of work. Yeah. So, or, or, or I need to go and work somewhere else. Yeah, or I, exactly. Or I need to go and work somewhere else. Yeah. Um, 
and and I and 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 there are organisations that have been very brave, and without naming one of them, one of my previous organisations, uh, which had over forty thousand people worldwide, created a new corporate strategy, and one of the three strategic strands was having fun. I mm. kid you not, a big yeah. global bank, and they were at a point. It was post recession. Um, uh, uh, post the financial crisis, sorry, in, in sort of 2008, and having fun, and it pervaded the whole organisation, and we all had permission to have fun. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, that, that nobody, nobody broke that, um, uh, you know, it was a bit of a leap of faith inviting the staff to do that, but it made quite a big cultural point um, that, that had a, a very positive impact on the, on the culture of that organisation. Yeah. It, it, it did. It was. Uh, I, I, I can remember elements of, of that, and there were there were unfortunate aspects to that, where <laughs> where you know there were departments where managers would suggest you could have fun between X time and Y time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. made and made it a performance uh, indicator, uh, and uh, so you know. We, we still have a lot to learn about these kind of things. And it comes back to that natural, uh, positively energized workplace. Uh, yes. Whereby uh, coming back to the points you've already made around giving trust and caring and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the fun will flow and it will yeah. follow and it will be acceptable. And, yeah. And it'll be natural. Yeah. 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 Uh, fantastic. And there, there are a couple of others uh, which I'd like to sort of combine together. Yeah. We're, we're shining a light and creating magic moments. Yes. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about those. Well, shining a light is, is, is one of the most powerful um, things that a leader can do to get the best out of people. It's around, um, it's around really calling out a good job. It's, it's taking the, uh, the focus off themselves and pointing it. I mean, literally imagine yourself holding a light uh, and it's giving people in the organization recognition for a job well done and the key piece that underpins shining a light is around the need to be proactive you won't have as a leader with all the stuff going on you don't just have falling into your lap every day somebody nudging you saying say thank you to that person um give an award to that person uh um, that team's done a great job. You, you, your radar has to be switched on all the time to be looking at ways in which you can help people and teams and departments feel valued. Because as a, as you're, you're, as a leader, by doing that, the impact that that has on the individual, the team or the department is disproportionate to anybody else giving them that feedback. So the, the shine a light piece is really around letting others um, uh have their contributions recognised. Yeah, and of course there is always more than one way of achieving something. Yeah. More than one way of getting a result. And, uh, and if you give trust, then you have to allow that, whatever the approach they're taking, yeah. to, to develop. It is no good pretending to give trust and then saying, but I want it done this way. In exactly yeah. these steps in exactly this way yes so you'll do it yourself yeah yeah and, and that's where a lot of people still still are at when it comes under pressure yeah they well i'll do it myself because it's quicker well it may not be actually because yeah. there may be 
a better way. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. You know, uh, and, and unless you unless you let go, yeah, from time to time, you're never uh, going to find out whether there is a better way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 just to your earlier question, so that the link um, the link between shine a light and create magic moments yeah. is is quite strong. I'll give you a, a, a bit of a story. I'll give you a bit of an example because from uh, in each of the chapters of the book, I do uh, I do refer to both an academic expert and as ne- Neville, as you know, you were one of those, um, and I also refer to uh, to somebody that I believe really lived and breathed that particular yeah. in the role that they do. And I um, uh, and my case study for create magic moments was uh, a lady called Beatrice Tolman, who's the uh, president of Red Carnation Hotels. Yeah. And she uh, was an incredible exponent of, of this particular technique. And I'll give you an example of a, of a couple of things that she did. And the first thing is that she, uh, they have set, Red Carnation Hotels have got 17 hotels worldwide. She tracked all of the TripAdvisor feedback. And wherever any customer of Red Carnation Hotels worldwide called out an individual of a particular hotel on the TripAdvisor feedback, Beatrice would write to them or call them to say thank you. And, and to, you know, so every single, you can imagine the volume of, of feedback that they got. Um, the other thing that she did is that she kept, so, the, so, so Red Carnation Hotels have, have over 2,000 employees. She kept a database of all 2,000 employees and every time she interacted with them, she would increase the database with if they, as she found out personal information about them. And at Christmas time, she uh, hand wrote a Christmas card to all 2000 employees, but also they would all get a present and that present was bespoke for the individual. So for example, if someone was gluten free, they would get glu- a gluten, you know, so it, it yeah. was really, now I, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I, I, I'd heard about this and I, and I didn't believe it until I spoke to her and I said, Beatrice, I've heard, you know, because they were, they were the top best company to work for. So this was, this was um, on the Sunday Times, top companies to work for, Red Carnation were in the top five year on year on year and they won it um, several years. And after talking to Beatrice, she was like, so no, she explained how she did it. And she said it takes up an enormous amount of her time, but when every individual in the business gets something from her bespoke that um, makes a point and, and connects with them on a human level, it had an enormous, um, and then they gave that service to the customer because they felt valued themselves. And coming back to your earlier points, it's about caring yeah. about the others and caring about the people that work with you and for yeah. you. Uh, uh, and also uh, the interesting thing is because that's all quite, well planned, well done. There's a process, and so on, so on. But actually, beyond that, there was spontaneity. Yeah, there, there was, there was. But but just to pick on that, spontaneity is 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 really crucial. So so as a leader, I encourage you to look for opportunities to spontaneously create magic moments for your for your staff. No one's going to tell you the right time and the right solution, but really there are no rules as long as you're not breaking any laws in the process you should take a leap of faith as a leader to think about how you can do something very special for for your people at the right time catch them at a time that they've done something well 
or they've reached a level of long service or it's their birthday or something, but do something special that they weren't expecting and it can have a very long lasting impression on them. Yeah. And, that's and that example you just gave us um, also indicates one of your other techniques, which is really listen. Yeah. And that concludes today's episode. Join us next week for episode two. See you soon.